We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's get back to our next prediction, Ryan. We're going to stay out west for the next big mm-hmm. game. And the Pac-12 has two huge games this weekend. And arguably the biggest is not actually USC-UCLA. I would argue that the biggest is actually Oregon against Utah. Now, the UCLA-USC game has more college football playoff implications because I'm someone who believes if USC wins out, they've got a really good shot at getting in the college football playoff. I know other people, or the national people, don't agree with that. But if you beat UCLA – Notre Dame, and then either Utah or Oregon in the in the conference championship game, that's going to be a very strong resume for USC as they get ready to go into the postseason. So, uh, but as far as just like the best game, which one has the biggest impact for potential, you know, Pac-12 title games? I think this one is actually a little bit bigger than that one. It, maybe that's just me as well, but – Utah is number 10 in the country at 8-2. Oregon is, tw- is also 8-2. They're number 12. They're coming off of a devastating home loss to Washington, which eliminated their college football playoff hopes. But they're still very much alive in the Pac-12 championship race, Ryan. They are, I believe, still in control of their own destiny. Oregon, if they win the next two weeks, they are in the conference championship game because then there would only be them and USC as potential one-loss teams. Utah would have a second conference loss right now. They only have one. They're, they have a Oregon and Utah are both sitting there at eight and two, but they both only have one conference loss. They both have non-conference losses. Oregon obviously lost to Georgia, and Utah lost to Florida. So Ryan, let's look at this game. It's obviously going to be at uh, it's one of those crazy night games. I don't understand why they continue to do this, but it's a ten thirty game. Number ten Utah at number twelve Oregon. It's going to be an Outson Stadium. It's going to be an intriguing matchup. It's a new staff at Oregon. How will they handle the beatdowns? I mean, absolute beatdowns that Utah gave them last year twice. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Because Oregon last year under Crystal Ball was really ascending and they were having a really good season. And, you know, they were getting a lot of hype. And, and I was talking about them, too, because you looked at their only loss and could they be a playoff team? And CB said, no, you can't. You lost to Stanford. But that was when, if you remember, Joe Moorhead got rushed to the hospital right before the game. And so they yeah. played that game without their offensive coordinator. And there was a lot of other extenuating circumstances. It was in early October. They were kind of rolling. They had beat Cal. They beat UCLA. They beat Colorado. They beat Washington. They beat Washington State. They were 9-1. and one. They were ranked really high. They were playing a three-loss Oregon team. They were number three in the country. They were playing a three-loss Oregon State team. And they got absolutely destroyed. 38-7. to seven. Two weeks later, Ryan, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, well, Oregon's going to get themselves some payback this week because of what happened in the college football playoff. There's no way that Oregon's going to be okay with that. There's no way they're not in the, excuse me, not the Pac-12 championship game. There's no way they're going to let Oregon do that to them again. They're going to be mad. They're going to be upset. They're going to be want this, going with that. And they did it to them again. And Utah beat them. You know, the score was almost identical. It was 38-7 the first time. The second game was 38-10. to And just absolutely dominant performances in both games, Ryan. They ran – Utah ran for 208 yards the first game and just played bully ball. And then they ran for 191 in the second game. And they could have gone for even more if they didn't call off the dogs in the second half of both games. How does you Oregon respond to last week's loss? How do they handle that? It, there's a lot of storylines that make this really a fascinating game, Ryan. You've got the oldest, most, I believe, the the second most or most tenured coach in all of college football. It's either Kirk Ferentz. Kirk Ferentz the longest. Him and Kyle Winningham are, 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 I believe, the two most tenured at their current school coaches in college football versus the young Buck and Dan Lanning. So uh, there's just a, a ton of great storylines. So, Ryan, there it is, Oregon and Utah. I know, I know where you're going with this, but what's your prediction? And then uh, where are you in regard to how you see this game playing out? The Pac-12 is so much fun this year, Brian. I think it is because you're seeing USC, UCLA be better than what they have been over the last few years. You're seeing Oregon, I think, outplay expectations compared when you compare the fact that, like, hey, they're bringing in a new coach and there's a new culture and what's it going to look like in year one conversation with Dan Landing and how is that one going to land – and I really think that there's a lot of teams at the top of the Pac-12 that are just not separated by much, you know? Like, that's why, why I think almost every week you can see a team knock off the other. So this one was probably the toughest game we picked all week in this week's predictions. 
I almost went the uh, I almost went back and forth with this one probably three or four times. Ultimately, one thing that you talked about a little bit, I think Utah can play bully ball in this game. And I think that they can control the pace of this offense because this is what I believe is that Oregon's going to score some, right? They're going to have some plays where you mentioned Franklin and Bo Nix having a good year and Irving, the running back that's having a, has had a pretty good year for the most part. They have some weapons offensively where they're going to cause some issues for Utah when they're on defense. But I ultimately think that what Utah has been doing lately with Tavian Thomas at running back, he's really starting to get going down the stretch, being able to run the football. And I think that the passing game is just good enough. You know, like there's just not a lot of Cam Rising's not a star, but he's a solid quarterback that doesn't usually shoot your shoot the team in the foot. Mm-hmm. Like he usually keeps you on script and they're able to run the football pretty well, especially down the stretch here. So I'm gonna say Utah controls the pace in this one. They beat you. Uh, they beat Oregon in this one, and this. I, I really think that this is just going to kind of be a jockeying back and forth at the pa- top of the Pac-12, a a, a a a conference that is not separated by a ton up top. So give me Utah twenty-eight to twenty-seven. I think this one is one where Utah gets a early lead. They're able to control the pace. Oregon comes storming back late because they have some weapons that are able to mount a comeback but it just falls a little bit short in this one as Utah is able to run the football and come out with a 28-27 victory. I'll tell you the part of me, the part that surprised me, I was, I fully expected you to pick Utah for just all the conversations we've had all year about that's not a, it's not a criticism. It's just, I know your view on both teams. And, and I thought, I think I know you well enough to see that Utah, the higher ranked team is going to win. That's not a, that's not a a shot or, or anything like that. It's just, that's where I thought you would go. What sure. I was surprised by, Ryan, and this is what I wanted to get you to follow up on, I was actually surprised mm-hmm. that the score was down as much as it was, 28-27. Because if you look at some of the games that we've seen when when Utah has played in some of these big conference games, uh, mm-hmm. and w- same with Oregon, that you know Utah, look at the, you know, 42-32 against UCLA, 43-42 against USC. Those are their two big games. Oregon this year and their big games, you know, it was 44-41 against Washington State, 45-30 against UCLA, and then 37-34 against uh, Washington last week. Do you think there's going to be a little bit of sloppiness in the two offenses, or do you think the defenses for both teams are going to step up and that's why you're seeing the game be more of a – not that it's a 28-27 is a low-scoring game, but for these teams I would say that it is a low-scoring game when you look at how they've both performed in these moments. I think it's a mixture of everything. I think that there's going to be a little bit of sloppy play. I think the defenses are going to play better than they have for the majority of the season. But more than anything, Brian, I think for Utah to win this football game, they need to control the pace of this game. Because if they let it get to a point where it's a 40-something, 37 type of game, I think you. I think Oregon has the advantage in that one. Because I think I they you. just have more firepower offensively, out wide especially. We talked okay. about Troy Franklin, who I think is an excellent football player. If it gets too high scoring, I think Oregon comes out on top. But this is kind of the, the spot where I think Utah is going to feel comfortable in this game with their ability to run the football and control the clock a little bit. So you're, say, you're saying that because Utah is going to win, it's going to be because they've run the ball, the pass game yes. is efficient, they're able to kind of keep that Oregon offense off the field. I got you. 100%. Okay, it makes total 100%. sense. I went a different direction on this. I have Oregon winning. I not only have Oregon winning, I have Oregon winning 41 to 31. I don't think this game is going to be as competitive. And part of it, Ryan, is I'm I'm sort of 
banking on something from the last two weeks to be true. If I'm wrong, then I'm then Utah's going to win this game because if Utah plays like it did the last two weeks, they have looked really good the last two weeks in in dominating. Uh, they beat uh, Arizona two weeks ago, forty-five uh, twenty. They blew out Stanford last week, forty-two to seven, in a game, Ryan. That wasn't it, forty-two to seven at halftime. I don't think they scored a point in the second half. They just, you know, yeah. in an attempt to not embarrass Stanford, it wasn't that they just played bad in the second half. They just like, look, we're not going to embarrass Stanford this way. Calling off the dogs. But, yep. yeah, they could have scored 70 in that game easily <laughs> if they wanted to. Uh, they And they did it with great rush. They, they pounded the ball. They absolutely pounded the football. They, You know, you, you, you look at the success they had the last two weeks. They ran for 306 against Arizona. They ran for 279 against Stanford, 7.8 yards per carry. But if you look at before that, Ryan, not really since the Utah, the Florida Southern Utah games, has they is the ground attack really looked that good? And so as I kind of dig into the matchup a little bit, I say, okay, well, Arizona's rush defense is giving up 218.8 yards per game and 5.9 yards per rush. Arizona went for 306 and 57. Stanford's defense is giving up 222 yards a game and six point yards a rush. Uh, Utah went for 279 and 7.8. So Obviously, they played two really bad rushing teams and two teams that are just not good at stopping the run. Oregon is giving up 108.2 rushing yards per game. Part of that is is because they have played some teams in some of their big games that just don't run the football very well, right? The last three games, Washington, Colorado, and and California, they've held them to 74, 120, 114 yards. Well, those teams don't run the ball very well. They held Washington State to 53 yards. They don't run the ball very well. But they also held Georgia to only 132 yards, partly because they couldn't stop Georgia from throwing the football. I mean, that helped too. <laughs> you know, but their def- their run defense has been a very underrated aspect of this game. And so where I'm coming from, Ryan, is I don't think – I think Utah's ground attack the last couple of weeks has been a little bit of fool's gold for me. That's where I'm kind of coming from. And if I'm wrong about that, then I think Utah wins. I think you're correct, Utah wins. The other part of it for me is I think that the loss to Washington last week was going to be a little bit of a smack in the face to Oregon. We've only seen Oregon really struggle twice this season, in my view, Ryan. And and in both times, I thought they responded really well the next week. They got destroyed by Georgia in the opener and came out against a good FCS, Eastern Washington team, and put 70 on them. They struggled a little bit with Washington State, came out the next two weeks and had convincing wins over Stanford, Arizona, UCLA. They kind of went on a roll. I thought they made a dumb coaching move last week. Uh, I, I just still don't understand Dan Lanning's call to go for a fourth down with your backup quarterback. I, it just it does, doesn't it didn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't think that cost them the game. It was the last thing that happened that cost them the game. I thought Washington just outplayed them in that game, to be honest with you. I thought Washington was a better team that game. I think they're going to respond. And the reason that I think Utah is going to be have a little bit of trouble in this game, Ryan, is because I just don't have a lot of faith in the Utah defense. And you and I have talked about this a, a lot this year. This is not a vintage Utah defense. They're they're a little bit schizophrenic, in my opinion. The run defense some weeks looks good, other weeks not so good. But the pass defense is really what the problem is, which is kind of wild when you consider – they have the best second. They have the best defensive back in the conference, in Clark Phillips. I mean, I don't know yep. if anyone's even in the conversation with him. Would you? Would you have anyone even in the conversation with him? Not, it's I mean, the he, rest he, of it that's the problem. He, right. I mean, Clark has a great conversation to be in the best corner in college football right. this year. You know, like right. he's excellent. To your point, 
it's interesting, man. I, I feel like one thing has to give in this football game, Brian. Like I think that there's because you're uh, right. Let me just let me just yes. let me just add this real quick to Ryan's point. Yep. Despite not getting targeted very often, Clark mm-hmm. Phillips has five interceptions and two of which he's taken back for touchdowns. By the yes. way, I just want to that's how to Ryan's point, that's how good bad. that kid's been this year. Yeah. It's too but bad anyway, he's too he's, short. Too too bad right. he's too uh short to play at Notre Dame. So yeah, thanks, you know, Coach Lee. Yeah. <laughs> but yep. I, I do think that the conversation that you made, and it's a great point about the rush offense for Utah. I'm buying into it being a trend, but you make a great point that it is has been against two not great rush defenses. So is that a situation where it is fool's gold or is Utah just kind of settling in and offensive line is playing better and Tavion Thomas is starting to get downhill or is it just the product of who you played on, on the schedule? So I, I do think that's the difference maker though. I think Brian. it's a little he bit is, of both, you know yeah, what I mean, Ryan? Be, and I just don't be. think like I, they're going to run better than they had earlier in the year, like middle mm-hmm. of the year, but they won't run nearly as well as they did the last two weeks. But the final piece to me, Ryan, as you know, we're talking about like Clark Lee, He's brilliant, yep. but the rest of the secondary to me is a major problem. And mm-hmm. and I mean they they have a they have a really tough time stopping teams from throwing the football. You know they they just do. I mean UCLA, I mean Dorian Thompson Robinson ripped them up in that game. You know I mean look, Caleb Williams ripped them up, and now there were some they forced a lot of incompletions in that game more than normal for him, but they just hit big play after big play. You know, I think that teams that that have been able to beat them have been able to really rip them up in the passing game. Not beat them, excuse me, play with them have been able to beat them in the passing game. Even even Florida was able to make some plays in the passing game. And Florida right. doesn't can't throw the ball at all. So it's it that's where it came down to. I think and and then also the final piece is it's in or it's at Oregon. You know, I mean if mm-hmm. if if it was at Utah, I'd probably pick a, a very similar score to what you predicted, Ryan. So I think it's the combination of those things. Oregon has a very good run defense. I think Oregon's balance on offense is going to give Utah's defense, which has been very shaky this year, a lot of problems. And then, of course, the home crowd is going to help them. So I went 41-31 Oregon. So it, uh, but, uh, and that's the thing for me is if it comes down to it, who's got to make more plays, I'm going with Bo Nix over Cameron Rising. Because you said Cameron Rising won't get you beat. But he's a lot, you know who he's like? He reminds me a lot of Ian Book. He won't get you beat, but he's not going to go win you that big game either. He's going to need a lot of help. And I just don't think the run game will be good enough to do that this week. That's that's where I'm coming from. I will say I would love to go in an, to an Oregon game. I think that this game is oh, it's yeah. beautiful out there, man. It would be a fantastic game to go to.
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.